helping to secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity. This is the Constitution Study on the America Out Loud Network with your host, Paul Engel. Freedom of speech lately, and plenty of calls from all sides to silence the other. It seems we don't realize not only how important freedom of speech is, but how useful it is. Take, for example, those calling to silence the pro Palestinian demonstrations across the country. Plenty of people want to shut them down, but what I see is evidence of the anti Semitism. Why would I want the evidence to be pushed underground? I'd much rather see who is and isn't anti-Semitic. The same thing goes for racist comments, misogyny of the transgender groups, and, and on and on and on. So let's take some time and just realize how important it is not only to have freedom of expression, but to allow others their freedom as well. Hello there, Everyday Americans. Paul Engel here with the Constitution Study. This is where we read and study the Constitution, and we teach the rising generation to be free. You know, I'm glad you could join me because this whole idea of freedom of expression, and, and I use freedom of expression for a reason. If you look at the First Amendment, uh, sure, you have freedom of religion, freedom of speech, freedom of press, freedom uh, to peaceably assemble, and to petition government for a redress of grievance. It all deals with expressing. It, it's expressions of, of your religious beliefs, your, your, your thoughts, your ideas, your, your communal experience. And I think too often we we, we just kind of need uh, you know knee jerk reaction. We reflexively try to shut down that we don't like, and and to me that's dangerous. So I want to take some time today and look at the the what's going on with the importance of understanding why this freedom of expression is so important. Why it's actually more important that we allow others to say what we disagree with than it is to silence what we refer to as disinformation, misinformation, or any of the other euphemisms we use for it. Now, I've already mentioned the the pro-Palestinian uh, uh, demonstrations and and you know many of them using Hamas chants, you know these the, the Hamas is a is a uh, in my mind a truly has well there are some truly evil people there. I, I'm trying to be careful because um not because I'm worried about offending people, but I don't want to paint people with too broad a brush. I know that, among other things, Hamas does some humanitarian work in Gaza, but let's face it, the, the people that um, attacked Israel, the, the people that um, murdered babies and, and raped women and, and took hostages, they're evil people. And when I see people uh, supporting them, or supporting, you know, saying Israel has, you know, it's wrong for Israel to uh, go after those who not only have attacked them, but have been an ongoing threat to their very existence. I, I want to, I don't want to shut them up because the first thing we need to do is, is we need to know that they're there. You know, one of the problems uh, going all the way back to you know, 1973 and, and, and say Roe v. Wade was the belief that well, once we've come to this decision, the problem goes away when all they really did was move it underground. We saw it a lot with the, the civil rights movement, especially early in the civil rights movement, because what we saw was, um, sure, they, they outlawed slavery, but we saw 
we saw the racism and the injustices simply moved underground. They became less and less official. I guess maybe it was easier for us that, that didn't see it every day to, to pretend it wasn't there. I think we can do the same thing with the the, the Palestinian and, and Israeli conflict. But there's so much more to this, this idea of if you don't know it's there, how do you know it has to be dealt with? Take, for example, the recently, it was back on October, October 3rd, I think, you had a New York State judge impose a gag order on a defendant in a case before him. And in fact, the order prohibited Trump from speaking in public about the court staff. Now, this is very interesting because in many cases, it was some of the staff that were, uh, well, Trump was claiming was was violating the law or denying him his rights as part of the as part of the trial. But he was told, no, you cannot talk about that in public. You cannot let the public know. Now remember, Trump is the defendant. And yeah, you know, we're not, you know, it, 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 very often you might have a gag order to, you know, on people so that they don't hurt the defendant's case. This is simply a gag order because the uh, the judge didn't want to hear Trump. Now, was it was what Trump was saying true? I don't know. But it's this idea of if this is what he's seeing, why should he not be allowed to express it? Does it piss off the judge and, and the members of the court? Yeah, probably. Then again, I'm sure several things that the judge said probably pissed off Mr. Trump. But it's just as important, in fact, more important to know and listen to those who you disagree with than to simply express your own ideas. Now, since then, there have been uh, judges have put temporary lists on the gag order, and, and, and it, there's been a lot of discussion about that. But I want to recognize the fundamental principle, and that is you silence your opposition. If we silence our opposition, and we then we don't allow other people to, to hear it. There's no one there to challenge what you say. If if you are the only, if your voice is the only one heard, no one will challenge what you say because they've got nothing to challenge you with. And whether it's a a, a defendant in a case or um, well, we'll say a a political movement. See, the American Accountability Foundation is a nonprofit five hundred one c three organization. Um, their job is to, well, keep an eye on public leaders, public institutions, including, by the way, the, the IRS, which is now taking a look at the American Accountability Foundation, um, questioning its, or, or in, let's say examining its tax-exempt status. See, the IRS has requested a, a large number of documents, uh, including all of their external communications related to its activities. Now, I don't know if any of you realize this, but we have this in this country, this little thing called the Fourth Amendment, which protects you and me and, oh, by the way, 501c3s from unreasonable searches. In other words, the IRS has to have probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, to actually search these records, to request it. They need a warrant. They don't bother with a warrant because, well, let's face it, most Americans, they've never heard 
the the, the the idea that the IRS as a government entity, they cannot search without a warrant unless you hand it over yourself. Now, Tom Jones is the president of, of AAF, and uh, he believes the move is it's a political attack. It's, it's a, a, a crackdown against the organization in retaliation for them, uh, well, let's say bringing attention to some of the radical notions of some of President Biden's nominees. I mean, this certainly wouldn't be the, the first time that the IRS was accused of um, targeting conservative organizations. Anybody remember under, um, under Obama, the IRS going after uh, conservative 501c3s, delaying and denying them tax-exempt status so that they couldn't go out and, um, well, do what they do in regards to uh, a campaign. Now, to be fair, there may be uh, reasons for this. The IRS may have uh, actual probable cause. I haven't seen it. But it certainly doesn't smell very good. And, and as such, it's worth keeping an eye on. In fact, uh, uh, two senators, uh, granted they are uh, Republican senators, have, uh, uh, well, they're taking a look at this. They've, they've jumped into the fray. Um, Senator Vance of Ohio and Senator Braun from Indiana, um, they're, they've talked about, they're questioning, um, or I should say they wrote a letter to the IRS Commissioner Danny Werfel claiming that the IRS is harassing conservative groups. Okay, that could be just another political move, right? These are politicians. They're, they're senators. But there's a lot going on. It's one of the reasons why I want to bring this information forward, not because I'm sure AAF is as pure as the wind driven snow. I'm not sure that the IRS is acting corruptly. But if I expose people to this idea, then maybe we can do more investigating and find out a little bit more of what's going on. Because you have to remember, the IRS is already uh, under, well, at least a congressional investigation because of further witness, te- or for, you know, the IRS whistleblowers involved in the Hunter Biden affair, saying that, that the IRS actually, um, well, they help it, the, the IRS investigation into Hunter Biden and some of his business dealings was actually impeded by the Department of Justice. So we have to wonder, is there more to this? Is this uh, um, uh, to the, the, the AAF? Uh, is there more to the, the Hunter Biden uh, uh, issue? Because there's more witness testimony that is supporting the original whistleblowers, Gary Shapley and Joseph Ziegler. Again, witness testimony confirming, or at least supporting, the accusations that these gentlemen made about the IRS, and in this case, well, actually, the Department of Justice. Now, again, does this mean these whistleblowers are uh, are are absolutely correct? Is it proof? No, but it's certainly more evidence. Does it mean that they they've got nothing wrong? No. Does it mean that that the DOJ is involved in this or that the no? This is this is about bringing forth evidence, both for and against, so that we can weigh what's going on. Why? Because in about a year, we're going to be, at, a little less than a year now, we're going to be asked to uh, choose representatives. Every one of us is going to be, at, or every representative in the House is up for re-election. 
uh, every seat's open, so we have a um, we have a chance. And and maybe we should be a little more attentive to what's going on in the house and what they're doing in oversight of these agencies. About a third of the Senate's going to be up for re-election as well, so uh, maybe we should take care as we are looking at those people who are seeking those positions, are they fulfilling their job as senators? Are they... Um, are they confirming, are they advising and consenting to nominees that are actually fulfilling the oath of office, the requirement? See, that's what I want us to talk about. I'm not into the political rhetoric of, you know, he said, she said, the donkeys say this, the elephants say that. I'm not into that. What I do want to know is we have accusations, and we have some evidence of malfeasance. We've got some malfeasance in courts in New York. Uh, by the way, I think we've also got some in Georgia and other places as well. Uh, we're talking about malfeasance in the, the IRS, um, possibly in the Department of Justice. Let's not pretend it's not there. Let's not just stick our head in the sand like an ostrich and, you know, Pretend nothing's going on. That's how we got into this mess. How about we take some time and um, recognize what could be going on, do some investigation for ourselves, and I don't mean we have to go searching through all the data. Let's look at the people bringing the evidence and see who has the best evidence. If you've got the best evidence, they're the ones, I think, uh, we're more likely to... Uh, to listen to. Now, listen, I have a break coming up. Uh, before I go, though, you know, I'd love it if you head over to the website, constitutionstudy.com. Uh, maybe go there, ask a question. I love when people ask questions. Just click on the menu bar. There's ask a question. If you'd like me to answer it here on the radio, click that checkbox when you fill out the form, and I'll do my best to answer it here on the radio for you and everyone else to hear. I will still reply to you via email, but I'll make a point of putting it on the radio as well. You can also, uh, you know, you can join the Constitution Study. You can donate to the cause. You can check out the the uh, uh, the Patriots program. All the stuff that we're doing here. Sign up for one of the mailing lists. You can find it all right there at the website constitutionstudy.com. And of course, you can always head to over to americaoutloud.news well, to find out more about the Constitution Study radio program and the other great people that are on that network. Now, something I'd like to let you know about is, you know, we want to be healthy. You want to live a good and healthy life. And, you know, the world sometimes is full of stuff that uh, doesn't make you feel good. When I used to travel all the time, I had to be careful. I'd come back with, we used to call it the crud. You know, I'd be gone for a week or so at customer meetings, conferences, whatever. And I'd spend a day or two just feeling, yeah. Well, I found something that helps. See, Healthy Cell has this product called Immune Super Boost. It, it helps me support my immune system, especially when I'm on the, on the go. Each pack contains over a dozen immune supplements in a travel-ready gel pack that's easy to carry, easy as I throw it in my bag. Then every day I take one, I pop it open, and I just drink the gel. Or you could mix it into a drink if you, you find that a bit more pleasant. But the point is it gives your body the, the, the nutrients it needs so that your immune system can do its job. 
Now, you can find out more by going to americaoutloud.shop. But because you are an America Out Loud listener, I got a deal for you. Go to HealthyCell.com, check out all their products, put your card together. When you check out, use the code OUTLOUD. You'll get 25% off your first order. That's right, 25% off your first order just for using the code OUTLOUD at checkout. So please, go to HealthyCell.com. They've got not just immune superfoods, they've got a lot of great products. We use many of them here in the Engel household. But use that code out loud. It lets them know that you listen to America Out Loud, and as a thank you, you get 25% off your first order. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced Nutrition Company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Nurses Out Loud Talk Radio want to introduce you to ASEA Redox Cell Signaling Molecules. It is more than just a wonderful natural product. Redox molecules are native to the human body. Redox molecules enable your body to turn on its inner doctor so your body can heal itself the way it did naturally when you were young. Check out AmericaOutloud.shop. Look for ASEA cell signaling molecules liquid supplement and check out nurse michelle's recent favorite asia product renew 28 revitalizing redox gel because this gel helped get me through some significant muscular pain during my healing process following a recent canoeing accident when i broke my hip give it a try for your aches and pains and let nurses out loud hear how your health has improved Welcome back, Everyday American Jewelry. Join the Constitution Study, and today we're talking about the, the importance of freedom of expression, of the sharing of information, and how often lately it seems to be suppressed. For example, I talked before about the, um, the mass murder in Nashville who had a manifesto, and for some strange reason, this manifesto, and only this manifesto that I'm aware of, was not shared. It was kept hidden away by the Metro Police Department, by the FBI. And and when it did, parts of it did finally come to light, well, it, it seemed to express some pretty hateful ideas. 
But why was it hidden for so long? Speaking of that, what about the uh, um, video footage of the January 6th? Now, I'm going to say it again. I've said it a hundred times. There were people that committed crimes on January 6th, they, and, and they should be they should face justice. They should have their day in court, be uh, charged fairly, uh, and, and the punishment should meet the crime. But more and more, we're finding out evidence, not simply um, uh, theory, whether it's eyewitness testimony or now video, that the vast majority of the, pe of the people, they weren't violent. The, the infamous, uh, was it the guy labeled QAnon Shaman? He was being escorted around by police. Well, recently, Congress has released a batch of uh, video, of actual security video, actual video of the event. Yeah, 40,000 hours. Yeah, 40, four zero. That's a lot of video. Now, as I understand it, they're going to be blurring out uh, uh, faces um, so that you, know, you can't identify the individual, but they want to show. Um, well, what really happened? Now, this is being done by, by Speaker Johnson. Why? Well, he wrote on, on X saying, to restore America's trust and faith in their government, we must have transparency. This is another step towards keeping the promise I made when I was elected to your, be your speaker. Okay. Um, he, he wants to, he, he's keeping a promise. That's, that's rare enough. But uh, again, it's, um, it's important that this that, that we have data about what's going on. That we 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 not simply reply, deal with innuendo and supposition. We're looking at video of what's going on and the ability to express that video. Again, we're talking uh, three years, three years almost, and we're finally getting to look at the actual video uh, and and. Uh, Personally, I think that's important. I think knowing, ha having a better sense of what happened is how we learn both from the event, but also learn about the aftermath of the event, I including things like, uh, like allegations that an FBI investigation into uh, an alleged child predator was halted so that they could focus on people who were on Capitol Hill. On January sixth. Now again, I'm no, but not everybody on Capitol Hill acted criminally. Um, there are, and, and the people who acted criminally should be investigated. But again, you have to wonder: doing shouldn't we realize that the 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 FBI was looking at was looking investigating an alleged child predator, and they were pulled off that case to go after. January 6th attendees and that case sat around unattended for what almost three years again this is information about that that should be spread that we should be uh, uh, expressed so that we can evaluate how our public servants are doing their job and then decide what we should do next now, that's not to say that everybody's going to agree with the uh, with with the data, you know. Just because you bring a person to facts doesn't mean they'll accept them. Take for uh, uh, example a recent speech by uh, Herr Biden 
and uh, he claims that I acknowledge there's a disconnect between the numbers and how people feel about their place in the world right now. We can deal with the second part as well. That comes back to an old saying, there's lies, darn lies, and statistics. Yeah, you play with the statistics, you play with the numbers, and uh, it makes it look like things are great, but people aren't experiencing the the wonderful economy. Now, I'm not saying things are as bad as they were, but again, let's let them talk. Let's not simply say, you know, Biden can't say that. Let's look at his data and then let's let people um, analyze the data, as I've, I've heard several people do. And well, we'll just say challenge many of his assumptions. But simply because what he's saying, I think is factually wrong, doesn't mean he shouldn't be allowed to say it. The same way I should be I should not be prohibited from well, telling people I think he's wrong. So I guess the point I'm I'm trying to get to is I know it's it's a a, a common reaction, a human reaction to try and squelch the opposition. But I I think in the long run we're actually better off when the opposition's allowed to identify themselves. What's the old saying? Better to keep your mouth closed and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and prove it. Well, maybe we should allow more people to open their mouths and, and prove, if not that they're a fool, at least what their point of view is. I can pretty much guarantee whatever point of view you have, it's not exactly right. It, it may be mostly right, but you're not going to be right all the time. How do I know that? Well, you're human. I'm the same way. And it's by being exposed to these other ideas, these other pieces of information that we can search for truth. I know that's not a popular term nowadays, but there is such a thing as true. And, you know, if we don't have a, a, a if we don't have a truth to follow, if there's not a, a, a you know, certain things that we can at least strive for, understanding. Well, then we're always going to be disagreeing. And I don't simply mean disagreeing. I, you know, if, if you believe that 2 plus 2 is 4, and I believe it's 2 plus 2 is 5, how can we communicate anything mathematical? So understanding the differences, understanding that there are differences, and then using those differences to get to the actual truth as best we can, I think that's a, a a laudable goal. Now, again, I spend a lot of time here dealing with the Constitution and law, and you know that's a truth. The, the Constitution has our words on paper, and what they say is well what they mean. Sure, there are times when they may be a little ambiguous to a certain situation, and and we may, may need to go and, and and understand the people who wrote it. But for the most part. What the Constitution says is exactly what it means, and it is, it is truth. Yet, if we're not allowed to communicate, if we're not allowed to speak about the the the, the Constitution, you know, I use the example of you know back in 2020, I was banned from Facebook. At the time, I was teaching what the Constitution said and the laws of the United States, by the way, about how we actually elect the president, not. The ideas that so many Americans have, what do we actually do? Um, you know, what what is this these electors and, and and how this is organized? And for that, I was silenced by Facebook. 
Now, listen, again, Facebook is a private company, so legally they can do that. I just think it's wrong. I think it's wrong to silence the opposition. I think it's much better off to to prove to prove their error with more facts and data, not keep them from speaking. Here's an odd example. So in Wisconsin, let's just say their uh, their system for uh, requesting absentee ballots, well, it's been under attack lately. See, there's a gentleman uh, by the name of Jay Stone. Um, he's from Kenosha, Wisconsin, and he sued. He he brought his case to court, saying that the uh, the system uh, that the, the Wisconsin Election Commission (WEC) uses um, violates Wisconsin law. Um, he made his case. He said, even though he's he's he has no formal legal training. Guy after my own heart. He went to court. He said this, this multi-step process used by the Wisconsin Election Commission to receive and process absentee ballot applications online was never authorized by the Bipartisan Commission through a promulgated rule, and it did not conform to Wisconsin law. Now, what's interesting is the Wisconsin Election Commission, they couldn't produce any evidence to to uh, dispel Mr. Stone's claim. And in what is described as a lively hearing, um, well, the election commission's attorneys uh, received quite a tongue lashing from the, uh, the bench. See, first they claimed that uh, Mr. Stone, well, he lacked standing to challenge the legality of the state's absentee ballot application program in court. Now, they did have a bit of a point, right? To, to have standing, generally, um, the person bringing suit has to establish that they have or will be directly impacted by the defendant's conduct. However, the judge, Judge uh, Schroeder, he acknowledged that, yep, the, the WC's counsel has a point, but then he reminded the defense team that the courts have uh, made reference to what are called public interest in their decisions. He says, I can't think of anything in which there's a greater public interest than the integrity of our election system. If we don't guard that, we won't have it anymore. Now, this went on and on and on, and I don't have time to get into all the details. Leave it to say that um, Mr. Stone made his point, and the judge ordered Wisconsin to well, follow the law. Now, you may be thinking that, yeah, okay, what's the big deal? This is Wisconsin. Think of all the questions we've had over the last two elections about, about the elections, about whether or not the people running the elections were following the law, about whether or not there were characters, actors in the election that followed the law. If we don't bring to light the fact that there were problems, in this case, in Wisconsin, and by the way, the problems in Arizona and in and in uh, Pennsylvania, especially Philadelphia, in, in in Georgia, if we don't bring those to light, if we wish to suppress them under the claim that it was the most secure election ever, then we never fix the problems, and and the problems just keep going on and and on and on and on. So when we deal with legal issues, or when we're dealing with political issues. 
expressing ideas is important, and sometimes it'll cost you. Sometimes there will be a penalty of some sort for actually not simply expressing your ideas, but being willing to live by them. Uh, for example, there's a, a story out of Wales, uh, Denbighshire, Wales, and where you had a, a, a game of pool. There was a pool competition, and uh, one female player was, well, she was doing very, very well until the finals when she was paired against a biological male. Now, whether or not there's a biological, physical advantage in the game of pool is not my point. The point was the female player decided she was not going to play in a women's competition against a man. This was the Women's Champions of Champions tournament, and she wasn't going to play against a man. There's a video that was posted, and what I see, well, they, she, they, they both do the draw. She then approaches the referee and tells him that she's going to quit. She said, I've never conceded so much as a frame, never mind a match. It was only my fourth battle, but the trophy or money meant nothing to me without fairness. That's what I said to the tournament director afterwards. Now, okay, this, this woman lost a match. She lost a trophy. She lost winnings. But you know what? She expressed herself in a way that um, I think a lot more of us should pay attention to. Not with, with rants and, and riots and, and violence and threats. Simply saying, no, I'm not going to do this. My integrity, my, my need for fairness, my need to, 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 to is, is more important than the accolades, the trophies, or the money. I think maybe if we communicated that way, maybe we'd have a lot better communication. Now, I have another break to take. After this break, I hope you'll hang around. I've got a, an interesting interview with a lady by the name of Stella Paul, and we're going to talk about the cost of the suppression of free information, the suppression of the ability to express yourself and express ideas and facts and evidence um, for many different reasons. So. Uh, I hope you'll stick around for that. Before I go, though, you know, I swing by AmericaOutloud.news every day. I'm looking for news and information, some of which I share here, some of which I share a lot of other places. But please don't let me do it alone. See, an individual expressing an idea is one thing. The more people we can get to agree with it and join in, that look at the data and say, yeah, that's true, let's share this information, well, the better. It's why I ask you to participate. Don't, don't simply sit back and figure someone else is going to do the job. Do your part. Go to AmericaOutloud.news every day. Check out the stories. Check out the articles, the posts, the videos, the podcasts. Find the ones that say something to you. Maybe it's something about the IRS. Maybe it's the pool player out of, out of Wales. Maybe there's something else. Find it and share it. Let other people know what's going on. Use that freedom of expression. Because if we don't use it, 
we lose it. See, failing to express yourself because you're afraid of what somebody else might say is just as devastating as being forced not to express it in the first place. So do what you can. Help us as we secure the blessings of liberty by doing your part and sharing this information. While you're at it, I hope you'll check out so many of the other great hosts we have here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. I've been looking at this. I've been doing this for a couple of years now, and um, I, I find it interesting the, the different voices I hear and the different points of view. Help us all express these ideas. Help us share these ideas. And if you want to put your own ideas into the mix, well, contact me through the website, americaoutloud.news, or go to the constitutionstudy.com and just click the Ask a Question button. I think we need to work hard to share and express these ideas before the very idea of freedom of expression falls on the ash heap of history. AmericaOutloud.news is beaten to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, troubled, misled, joyful, and thankful. We know you because we are you. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. I'm so confused. I don't know what to do. I'm afraid of going to the hospital. My doctor tells me nutrition doesn't work. Trust is earned. We are the Energetic Health Institute, and we want to earn your trust. Natural medicine, holistic nutrition, detoxification, fasting, cellular healing, and so much more. Remember, the best way to be free is to be healthy. So stop being a patient and start being a student at energetichealthinstitute.org. Welcome back, Everyday Americans. You've rejoined the Constitution Study. I want to end today's program with a wonderful interview. Uh, I've been talking to Stella Paul. You may have heard of her. She's been telling her story about uh, uh, COVID and her husband and the hospitals and how they've been treating. And, and really, I wanted to talk to her, one, to let you hear her story, but also to realize how important it is that these stories get shared, that this information is communicated 
so that other people don't suffer the pains that we do. Stella, thank you for joining us here at the Constitution Study. Paul, thank you so much for having me. And I agree, we need to tell our stories. I am committed to telling the stories of the poor people who died in the hospitals during COVID due to the hospital protocol. And many people are not even familiar with it, what there was a hospital protocol, people died unnecessarily. This is new information, it's been heavily censored and it affected hundreds of thousands of American families. And uh, I wanna say, uh, uh, give some shout outs. I write about this at American Thinker. I thank Thomas Lipson there for publishing me. I write about it at Brownstone. Thank you, Jeffrey Tucker. And Epic Times, I did an in-depth interview there with Yanya Kellogg uh, at American Thought Leaders. But this is an absolutely catastrophic collapse of medical ethics that we have been suffering in the hospitals, and it's not been covered. Yeah, you know, you're right, and, and it's uh, actually the few people that talk about it seem to be uh, called names. Which uh, generally, if all they can do is call you names, then I assume you're over the target. <laughs> but uh, so yeah. you you had you had a catastrophic uh, a situation in your own life that uh, I'm assuming was a catalyst. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I'll tell you about my situation, and it's a little different than the stories of the hospital protocol. When when COVID hit, my husband was living in a New York City nursing home. He had been living there for six years. He was paralyzed from a stroke and he needed a lot of care. And Governor Cuomo signed an executive order forcing New York, uh, New York nursing homes to accept COVID patients which was a extraordinarily reckless and dangerous decision. I liken it to medical arson. And uh, as best we can tell, uh, the numbers seem to suggest around 15,000 people died in nursing homes in New York City as a result of this extraordinarily immoral action. And of course, Governor, Cuomo has not been held accountable. He, the person who was his lieutenant governor is now the governor. They've investigated themselves and found that they did a wonderful job. And uh, so they've gotten away scot-free with this extraordinary crime. And uh, my husband, as I said, was living in a nursing home. He immediately got COVID when they put the patients in there. And we managed through a series of miracles to get him to a hospital. The hospital, he was admitted April 1st, 2020. So everybody put your mind back to how early that was in this COVID catastrophe that we've been living through. April 1st, 2020, we've been through years of torment since then. They already knew how to treat successfully COVID. Even in my husband, a frail man who'd been living in a nursing home for six years, they treated him with hydroxychloroquine. They had a five-day regimen of hydroxychloroquine plus other 
uh, remedies that they put in that kind of hydroxychloroquine package within five days, he was back to baseline and he went back to the nursing home. And I will continue to tell you his story, but I just want to say the fact that my husband, a frail nursing home resident, was brought back to baseline in five days with hydroxychloroquine shows to me that everything that happened subsequently, the lockdowns, the economic devastation, the children being denied years of their education and social development, the vaccines, the mandates, the social uh, uh, fracturing, families fracturing, none of it was necessary. On April 1st, 2020, the best, the best hospitals in New York already was treating successfully with hydroxychloroquine. So um, this, this is a story that needs to be told. And as a result, the fact that so many families lost their loved ones due to these extraordinarily dangerous hospital protocols, I feel my story, what happened to my husband, shows that everything was unnecessary and driven by financial incentives. And just to conclude, and I, of course I wanna talk about that, but just to conclude my husband's story, he went back to the hospital, to, excuse me, to the nursing home. He was locked down there. Nobody was allowed to see him. Family wasn't allowed to see him. He was there for 10 months in total isolation and misery. And uh, at that point they debuted the vaccine in the nursing home. He took it. Eight days later, he had a heart attack and died. You know, having covered this since the beginning, having you know, talked to to doctors and and others, you know, the the fact that uh, a go former governor Cuomo, who was run out of office for fooling around, is bad enough. The fact that he was never even, it looked like never even investigated, much less charged for manslaughter, for, for causing the death of, of thousands of New Yorkers because he acted on information, incomplete or just plain erroneous information. It, 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 it's both heartbreaking from a family standpoint, but it's also, you know, if we don't learn from this, there's nothing to stop us from doing it again because we're still seeing the the um, uh, the vaccines be pushed out. And it's funny, you know, I've talked to uh, Dr. McCullough and Dr. Latulip uh -huh. and and other people who right. keep saying there's all this this evidence and data, yet we keep doing the same thing, and we ignore we're we're ignoring the results. You know, I, I'm. Part of me is just frustrated and want to, you know, want to scream. Uh, part of me looks at this and say, um, how do we let people know what this, you know, you talk about the hospital protocol. We really need to let people know what this hospital protocol is. Mm -hmm. From what I've heard, it truly is evil incarnate. I think that's a good intro to the topic. Thank you. Let me describe to you evil incarnate. What should happen in a hospital is that a doctor comes in who's well-trained and looks at you and says, here's your medical history, here's your conditions, here's your vulnerabilities, uh, here's a particular medical treatment 
that's right for you. That didn't happen. The federal government paid gigantic financial incentives to hospitals to, to enact a specific medical protocol. It didn't matter what your unique medical history and condition was. That didn't matter. What mattered was the federal government was paying the hospital to treat you in very specific ways that happened to be dangerous and often lethal. That's what mattered, not you, the patient. You know, I, first, I, I, yeah, I, I, I talked to our doctors and, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I am blessed. I have I found a doctor who actually practices medicine. Who, who sees me and my wife as an individual with our histories and our, our, our own medical situations and advises us on what to do next. Um, because I've been around doctors who now practice bureaucracy where they yeah, simply well take what they simply take what the, the, the CDC or the FDA says and they regurgitate it and they've you know it, it, they've turned us into numbers. Well, applying that to the situation of a hospital as opposed to a private practice, a doctor who tried, there was a purge of doctors who actually wanted to treat the patients in a responsible manner, which is what you just described, according to the individual needs of that patient. Those doctors were gotten rid of in a, in a couple of ways. There was a vaccine mandate and doctors who did not want to get, or, and, and this applies to nurses and other medical staff, anybody who was not comfortable receiving the vaccine was fired. So those people were gotten rid of. And then doctors who wanted to treat patients appropriately, for instance, let's try hydroxychloroquine, as was used on my husband on April 1st, 2020. Let's try ivermectin shortly after hydroxychloroquine uh, was, was brought into play by uh, innovative doctors. It was discovered that ivermectin was even better. Uh, let's try ivermectin. Let's try some of these, let's try vitamin C infusions, et cetera. Those doctors were fired. Either they were fired or they left because they couldn't take it anymore. They saw the protocol and they saw that it was killing people. So let me describe what that protocol was. No visitors were allowed. So you were isolated from your family. You were completely alone. And uh, you were given remdesivir. The remdesivir is the drug that Tony Fauci uh, declared to be the best possible drug, the first emergency use authorized drug for COVID, first FDA approved drug for COVID. Never mind, this was a catastrophically failed drug lying on the garbage heap that had killed 53% of patients in an Ebola trial, and the trial had to be stopped. How does how does remdesivir uh, work, but work is putting in quotes. Uh, it works by killing you by shutting down your kidneys. Your kidneys stop functioning and then it cascades and there's uh, to other organs, to your heart, to your lungs. There's a cascade of organ failure set off by remdesivir. This was the drug that Anthony Fauci 
selected. And uh, why did the hospitals go along with it? Well, if we go back to, um, to, to this time, remember that the hospitals had been shut down to elective surgery. Do you remember this? It seems insane now, and perhaps we've shut it out of our minds, but hospitals were closed down to all normal activity. It was either, you know, heart attacks, strokes, car accidents, motorcycle accidents, or COVID. You could not go in there and get your back surgery or your hip replacement or all the normal revenue of the hospital. That was forbidden on order of the federal government. So there was no revenue coming in. And here comes this huge amount of money from the federal government uh, by way of Congress, by way of the CARES Act, $2.2 trillion passed as an emergency to deal with COVID, flooding the hospitals with hundreds of billions of dollars and says, okay, you're not getting money from the hip replacements, but we're going to pay you huge amounts of money to treat patients with remdesivir. In fact, if you have patients in the hospital with COVID and we're going to pay you a big bonus for every COVID patient you admit, uh, we're going to pay 20% bonus on the entire hospital if you treat them with remdesivir. So these patients were getting remdesivir, whether they wanted it or not. And an important point I want to make, and then I'll stop because I'm sure you have comments. There was no informed consent, none. There was no information and there was no consent. Patients came in, even with kidney uh, conditions, and nobody sat down and said, remdesivir has been known to be toxic to the kidneys. You're on dialysis. Do you consent? Nope. Never told, no discussions. This is what you're getting. Furthermore, there was no consent because patients, word got around, remdesivir got the nickname run death is near. Run death is near. That was what it was called. Patients came in like Ray Lamar, who'd written with a Sharpie on his forearm, no vent, no remdesivir. Didn't matter. They gave you remdesivir anyway. They gave it to you while you were sleeping. They gave it to you while they knocked you out with uh, powerful sedatives like fentanyl and morphine. Or they gave it to you and they told you it was an IV to get you hydrated and it was remdesivir. You were getting remdesivir whether you wanted it or not. There was too much money to be paid by collecting the bonus from the federal government, and that's it. You were getting remdesivir. You know, these weren't merely bonuses. This, these were bounties on people's lives. And well, yes, I'm sorry, Paul. Can I just jump in? Yeah. AAPS, the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons, which is the largest independent group of uh, doctors in the country, said ex- just you know what you said so beautifully. Uh, they said. Uh, the federal government put a bounty on your life and the hospitals became the bounty hunters. Uh, Stella, you, you know, we, we, we're running out of time. It was, I'm glad we got the word out. Um, we, we need to let people know because if you're going to have, you know, we need informed consent. And if we, we silence the bad news, then we're not informed to, to give consent. Um, before we go, is there any last things you'd like to tell the audience or tell them maybe where they can read more of the work that you're doing? 
Yes. Uh, follow me on Twitter, please. Stella Paul NY. And you can find me on Brownstone, an American thinker. And I do want everybody to know that the FDA has doubled down and they have recently approved remdesivir for patients with severe kidney disease. So there's been no backing down. There's doubling down. And if you have the misfortune to be hospitalized with COVID, they will still try to get you to take remdesivir. So we have the real fight on our hands trying to get uh, honest medical care in the country and in our hospitals. Yes, we do. Stella, thank you so much. You know, again, I'll put links in when the, the episode goes to the website so you can follow uh, Stella. She's got some wonderful information. I also hope you come back and join us here every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Constitution Study on America Out Loud Talk Radio, heard in the iHeartRadio Network. Follow the podcast. You can listen on your favorite podcast app, but do me a favor, subscribe to the show, leave us some ratings and reviews. Find all the links you need at the homepage at americaoutloud.news, but do please share them. The, the freedom of expression is important, and that includes letting people know what's going on so that they don't suffer the consequences of what we've had to suffer.